of health, of blessing? Do you believe that God has a plan for your lives? Sorry? A plan to prosper you and not to harm you? A plan to give you a future full of hope? I have to say, you know, you need to sound a bit more excited about that. I'm excited that God's got a plan for my life. I'm excited that God's got a plan and a future for me. And he's not going to harm me, but he's going to bless me. You know? And I believe that we need to get caught up with the God that wants to bless us, that has got good things planned for us. And we need to let him get hold of us and do whatever he says. If you weren't there yesterday, I'm not going to say any more. I don't know. Only the people there can tell you whether it was good or bad. But I will tell you there are a few things on the back table. We've got, um, I hate doing this promotional bit, but uh, there are some DVDs of the teaching that was there yesterday. And there are also these little um, USB memory sticks with the MP3s on, if you prefer it in that format. They're at the back. I always say to folks, you know, there is a price at the back there, but if you can't afford it, just come and talk to me and we'll make sure you're blessed because uh, we want God's word to go out to people and for people to be changed because I believe that God wants us to be a people of power. Turn to the person next to you say, he's talking to you. God wants us to be a people who are like Jesus. We are here, I think it's Bill Johnson says, we're not here to represent Jesus. We are here to represent Jesus to this world. You know, we, that means we are to be Jesus to the people around us. I have an evangelist friend, and he's constantly asking the worship team to sing that song, You're the only Jesus some people will ever see. And, you know, it's a really corny song, but it's so true. Just think about it for a moment. You are the only Jesus that some people are going to see. What Jesus are they seeing when they see you? You know, I believe that we are living in significant times for our nation. You know, I think God wants to do great things in this nation. I was encouraging the guys yesterday just to make this confession. Expect great things from God. Be prepared to do great things for God. Turn to the person next to you, tap them on the shoulder, say, expect great things from God. Turn to the person on the other side of you and say, do great things for God. You know, God is looking for us to be a people who raise our expectations and are ready to do great things for Him. He said to the disciples, these and greater things will you do. You know, Kim said yesterday, well, she'd be happy just to do the things Jesus did. But he didn't say that. You know, don't you get a bit excited about that? I just think, you know, all the things that Jesus did, and he said, greater things can you do? Because I'm going to the Father, and he sent us his spirit to be in us, to enable us to be a people who do greater things. You know, let's not settle for anything less than that, shall we? Let's turn. I want to read a passage from Luke's gospel. Uh, turn to chapter 5, and I'm going to read, oh, I think I'll read from verse 1. This is uh, when Jesus comes and calls Peter. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. It says, so, so it was that as the multitude pressed about him, 
to hear the word of God that he stood by the Sea of Galilee and he saw two boats standing by the sea, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your words, we will let down our net. And when he had done this, when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. Sorry, I've lost my place now. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. You know, I believe that God wants us to come into a relationship with Jesus where we are constantly amazed. Where we are constantly coming to a place where we just go, wow, God. Because we serve a God who is a wow God. You know? And if that's not your experience, I want to tell you, you've been sold something short. Because the God that I worship, the God that I serve, constantly causes me to just go, wow. I know all my shortcomings. I know all my failures. And yet he still chooses to come and find me and talk with me and tell me great and wonderful things and do amazing things in my presence. And I just go, wow. God, you are so good. You are so awesome. You know, these are significant times for our nation. I believe that God wants to do great things in this nation. You know, a couple of years back, we bought a 3,000-seater tent, and our intention was to move this tent down to the Balkans because we were seeing big crowds down there and seeing revival amongst the gypsies down there. And... As I was about to ship it out and take it down to the Balkans, God said to me, do you not believe that you could use this tent in England? Yeah, I hate it when God asks you questions. Don't you? You do know when God asks you a question, it's not because he wants to know the answer. He already knows the answer. And, you know, at that point, I get a bit frustrated because I think, well, you know the answer. He said, yes, but I want you to know the answer. You know, when he said that to me, I had to turn around and say, actually, God, I don't think I have got any faith to fill this tent in England. But something niggled at me. Something started eating away at me, and I, I realized that God was challenging me to raise my faith for my nation, 
to raise my faith. And I believe that God wants to bring revival to our nation again. I believe that things are getting darker and darker in our nation, that the light that is in us will shine brighter and brighter. And we need to be a people who are ready and willing to serve the Lord when he asks. You might not realize it, but the potential here in this room this morning is phenomenal. You know, I want you to notice, I don't think Simon Peter had any idea about what was about to happen. You know, he had had a real duff day. You know, you just imagine it. Here he is. He's been fishing all night long, and he's caught nothing. He's tired. He's weary. He's on the beach cleaning and repairing his nets so that he can go to work the next day. But ultimately, I'm sure all he wanted to do was go home and get to sleep. You know, I imagine he's probably a bit depressed. He's fed up. You know, he's probably worried about the fact that he had no catch which means he has nothing to take to the market to sell, which means he hasn't got an income that day. And yet God has already done something in his heart. With all this going on, when he sees Jesus walking down the beach with a crowd of people, you know, if I had been him, I'd be thinking, oh, this is the last thing I need. All these people getting in the way when I just want to pack up and go home. But God has done something in his life beforehand. And as Jesus comes along and and sees his boat and gets into his boat and asks him to put out from the shore, he's ready and willing to serve. Because God has already done something in his heart. I want to ask you this question this morning. With everything else that's going on in your life at this moment, maybe disappointment, maybe tiredness, Maybe you're just weary of life. Maybe you haven't got a job. Maybe you're worried about money. But are you ready and willing to serve? Are you ready and willing to serve the Lord when he turns up and asks you? Or are you just thinking, oh, give me a break. I believe that God is looking for a people in our nation that are ready and willing to serve whenever, whatever's going on that are ready to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. You know, if you lived in biblical times and you saw a man carrying a cross, you saw a dead man. You know, there was no doubt that man was preparing to die. He was carrying his cross to the place where he would be executed. You know, when Jesus says, you know, are you ready to take up your cross and follow me? He's saying, are you ready to die to yourself? Are you ready to deny yourself and do whatever I ask, whenever I ask it, so that his kingdom might come here on earth? You know, we've prayed it for long enough. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe it's time for God's kingdom to come. But I also know that that is dependent on every one of us. Because the first place he wants his kingdom to come is this piece of earth. You know, we are but refined earth. 
You know, when, G- when God took the earth and molded it and made a man, he breathed life into it. So we are the first earth that he wants to bring his kingdom into, his rule, his reign. He's looking for a people who will s- respond to his rule and reign and who are ready and willing to serve. God, you know, Simon had no idea of the miracle that was about to happen. You know, he had had this duff day. You know, it doesn't matter how bad things seem. Maybe you could just be a few steps from having your life transformed. You know, that day when Simon chose to serve the Lord, he took the first step to his life being completely transformed. He would, at the end of this day, no longer be a fisher of fish, but he became a fisher of men. He became a man that was transformed. He became one of the 12 that turned the known world upside down. Maybe today, you're just one or two steps from stepping into the miracle that God has to transform your life to make you everything that he planned for you to be. Jeremiah, it's my favorite passage at the moment, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I think I've probably said it here both times I've been before. Sorry if you're bored, but it's great. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And Simon, because he's ready and willing to serve, steps into God's plan. He steps towards the miracle that's going to change his life. Just imagine there were two boats full of fish. They were sinking. I wonder how much they got for it. You know, if you need a financial miracle this morning, maybe God could just, you know, it might rain fish tomorrow. And you can get down the fish market and sell them. Who knows? Now, I believe, now is a time when we need to be making right decisions. Tap the person on the shoulder next to you say, he's talking to you. Now is the time when we need to set our priorities. We need to have the right priorities. You know, in this passage, we find Simon, he's still working, he's labored all night, he's caught nothing, he's washing his nets in preparation for the next day. You know, I've always said, I no doubt this man is tired. I've no doubt he's disappointed. I've no doubt there are worries about finances and all those things, but he's ready to serve. When Simon responds to this request from Jesus, he steps towards the miracle. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. You know, I love the Bible because it's such a practical book. You know, I don't love some Christian books. I'm writing one myself at the moment. I wanted to call it Tim Warts and All. (laughs) Because, you know, you read some Christian books. You know, I read one Christian books about healing. 25 minutes, really. (laughs) Uh, And this guy said, well, when I was five years old, an angel appeared to me in a tree. And I'm thinking, that didn't happen to me when I was five years old. And then when he was older, some other thing happened. I think, that didn't happen to me when I was that age. And by the end of the book, I'm feeling a bit depressed because I'm thinking, well, if that's the way God calls us, you know, 
uh, then I'm not called. But when I read this book, it tells you that as it was, you know, I read about Simon, I read about him denying Christ, I read about him running away, I read about him making the same sort of mistakes that I make, but Jesus still went and found him and commissioned him. You know, and that's encouraging me because this book tells us how life is. You know, and we need to get hold of this book and allow this book and its teachings to get hold of us, get hold of us, to transform us, to be the people that God wants us to be. God is calling us, I believe, to step out of our comfort zones, to launch out into the deep with Him. To do that, we need to recognize and deal with the potential barriers to us moving into all that God has planned for us. That's where we can learn from Simon Peter this morning. You know, because he could have missed it that day. He could have missed the miracle. He could have just said, oh, mate, you know, I'm tired. You know, I've had a bad day. I just want to go home. No, I can't push out my boat from the shore for you today. Get somebody else to do it. But he didn't. Because he had, God had already dealt with him. He was ready to serve. You know, but there were some buts. You know, I once heard a preacher say that sheep bleat and goats butt. <laughs> we want to be sheep, you know. But uh, there are buts in life that can stop us getting everything that God wants us to have. There are buts in life that can stop us stepping into the miracles that God wants us to have and see in our lives. And I want us to look at three buts that I think are, are here in this passage. The first but that could have stopped Peter seeing a miracle is his experience. He says, but Lord, we fished all night long and caught nothing. You do realize that if Jesus tells you to do something, your life experience means nothing. <laughs> you know, uh, a friend of, a guy I know of, a guy called Bob Mumford, once uh, God said to him, Bob, you and I are incompatible and I don't change. You know, and God, when he says something, it doesn't matter what your life experience says. It matters what he says. But here's Peter says, but we've fished all night. We've caught it's daytime now. There is no point in fishing, is what he's saying. My experience tells me you're wrong. You're a carpenter's son. I'm a fisherman. I know some things about this. You know, our experience can stop us stepping in to everything that God wants us to have. Even our experience with God. That's frightening. I was saying to the guys yesterday, you know, when Moses was in the wilderness and the children of Israel needed water and the first time they needed water, God said to him, take your staff and strike the rock. And he struck the rock and water poured forth and everybody drank. And then they got the same circumstance again. And God said to him, speak to the rock. But Moses said, no, I know how to do this, God. It's okay. I've done this before. And he struck the rock. The frightening thing is water came out. 
But in that moment, because he didn't follow God wholeheartedly, because he worked from his experience rather than from God's word, God said, because you didn't follow me wholeheartedly, you will never enter the promised land. You know, our nation needs us to be a people who follow God wholeheartedly, who don't allow our experience to stop us stepping into the promises that he has for us. So the first but, don't let, but Lord, I know better. I want to tell you, none of us know better than God. We're foolish if we think we do. Now, if we start arguing with the God who created the heavens and the earth, who put us together in our mother's wombs, <laughs> how foolish is that? Let's reduce the arguments. Let's hear God's word and do what he says. Let's take Simon's example and not allow our past experiences to stop us seeing all that God has planned for us. Secondly, the second but that's intimated here, it's one that gets me quite often, but I'm tired, Lord. He says, but Lord, we fished all night long. Can you hear the weariness in the words? I'm tired. All I want to do is pack up and go home. You know, there have been so many times when I've been glad that I've not allowed my tiredness to stop me doing what God's said. You know, we were driving up the motorway coming up here uh, Friday, and there was a sign above the motorway, tiredness kills. You know, I think tiredness kills God's word, stops us stepping in to everything that God would have. How many times have you been tired and decide, oh, I, I think I'll just give that meeting a miss. And then when you meet your friends that week, it was the best meeting that you've had in months. God turned up, miracles were happening. You know, the presence of God was awesome. You think, oh, blow, I wish I'd gone. But the devil used tiredness to steal the blessing from you. We can't allow tiredness to stop us doing what God wants us to do. You know, there have been so many times when I've walked out in front of a crowd to preach and I think, oh Lord, I'll just get somebody else to do it. I'm weary. You know, or somebody said, will you pray with one more person? I'm thinking, I've just prayed with 500 people and I'm weary. And the one last one you pray with, suddenly the miracle happens. You know, something awesome happens. And it's a story you can take all around the world, you know, because it's that awesome. But you have to push through tiredness to do God's will. You know, deny yourself and follow him. The third but we need to watch out for is disappointment. Master, we've toiled all night long and we've caught nothing. You know, disappointment works by trying to make us think that the past should have an impact on the future. You know, it doesn't matter what's in your past if you fix your eyes on Jesus. Because he has a plan. 
for your life. He has a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future full of hope. Disappointment can stop us entering into all he has for us. Someone once told me, it's no good living in the past. There's nothing there you can change. It's no good living in the past. There's nothing there you can change. You know, and it's no good living in the future because you're not there yet. We have to live in the present. We have to hear God's voice and do what he says now. You know, the devil will come along and say, oh, well, you're not a very good believer. You didn't do that. Or you did that when you should have done this. You know, and what difference does it make? You know, when we read the Bible... The disciples did those things many times. You know, they ran away. They denied Jesus. They, they messed up so many times. You know, even at the end, the guy, after all that Jesus had exampled of love, the guy pulls out his sword and chops off a guy's ear. You know, I'm sure none of you are that bad. You know, that you're walking around with a sword ready to lop something. And even then, Jesus has to pick up the ear and stick it back on. You know, know, they messed up. We've all messed up. But I want to tell you, God loves us. I love the fact that the worship leader was just saying, I want to celebrate God's love this morning. Because I find it awesome that God loves me. I find it awesome that he loves you as well, looking at you lot. <laughs> you know, I know the things about me that aren't lovely. You just see me here at the front. You might think, oh, he's a really annoying Englishman, this guy. But, you know, but he still loves me. You might not like me, but he still loves me. You know, and he still loves you. And he wants good things for every one of us. And it doesn't matter what mistakes we've made in the past. He can cause us to be overcomers, to become everything that he wanted us to be. So don't let the butt of disappointment stop you stepping into all that God has got for you. Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's good advice. Forget the past and push on. Forget the past and push on. You know, I've got nothing against inner healing and going back and all of these things. But I'll tell you one thing. I found something that works so much better. Just forget the past. Choose not to remember it. You know, the Bible says that God, you know, we used to sing a song, All Forgiven, All Forgotten. Which sort of gave me the impression that God was some doddery old git that, you know, was... (laughs) was, you know, he just forgot things, you know. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, but God's not like that. You know, the actual word says God chooses not to remember our sin. That is a far greater thing than forgetting our sin. It means he could remember, but he chooses not to. When Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, forget the past. He says, choose not to remember the things from the past that would hold you back. Choose not to remember them. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Finally, Simon gets to the only but that really matters. And it's the but that every one of us should get to. He says, but Lord, because it's you who say so. Because it's you who say so, I will. You know, when Jesus says something, you know that all of heaven's resources are going to be ready for you to do whatever he says. You know, when those first disciples were commissioned by Jesus, it says they went out everywhere preaching the word and God confirmed his word with signs that followed. You know, I want God to confirm my word with signs that follow. I want God to confirm your words with signs that follow. You know, and I believe God wants us to be a people that speak his word so that he can bring heaven's resources behind us and everything we say happens. You know, I said to the guys yesterday, I believe that God is still writing the book of Acts. It's not completed and he's looking for your chapters. What chapters are you going to write? What chapters of your life will get into the book of Acts? What exploits will you do? Will you let the three butts stop you stepping in? Or will you take the last? Simon Peter's example say, but Lord, because it's you that says so, I'm going to do it. Will you step out of wherever you are now? And step towards the miracles that he has for you? Will you launch out into the deep with Jesus? Are you going to step out of your comfort zone? You know, following Jesus was never meant to be easy. You know, when I got saved, I got saved on what I called the cherry pie ministry. You know, come to Jesus everything's going to be really lovely. You know, you're going to have life and that's going to be awesome, you know. And, you know, I realized about two weeks in, that wasn't quite true. <laughs> yeah. He didn't say he'd take me out of my problems. He said he'd be with me in my problems. He'd take me through my problems. He'd show me the way to succeed when in the past I failed. You know, we need to be ready to get out of our comfort zones. Sometimes, it, I say this all the time, sometimes it will be scary. Sometimes it will be hard. Sometimes it will just be thrilling. 
And if it's different for you or easier for you, please come and tell me because I'm obviously doing it wrong. You know, because I want to tell you sometimes it's just plain tough. You know, I live in a military town and, you know, one of our regiments have this uh, um, motto. It says, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. You know, and I believe that God wants to put some toughness into us. So when the going gets tough, we get going with God. You know? We get tough with God. We go the way God wants us to go. We do the things that God wants us to do, regardless of what anyone else says, regardless of what other people think. We get on and do it. You know, I've been in a revival. And I want to tell you, everybody else told me not to go. 2005, was it, Kim? Something like that. We were invited to go to Bulgaria for the first time in our lives. Take our tent and our lorries down through 10 nations, many of them ex-communist nations, to end up in Bulgaria. And everybody I spoke to for advice said, don't go. I spoke to Christian charities. They said, you will never get your trucks through some of these nations. You will never get the right paperwork that you need. I spoke to secular trucking companies and they said, you've got to be kidding. We wouldn't even try and do that. I told people who I was going to go and work with, the Roma gypsies. They said, they're all thieves. You'll lose everything you take. We took thousands of pounds worth of equipment, radio mics at a thousand pounds each and stuff, and we went. But everyone said, don't go. In fact, the week before we were due to go, the other two drivers who were coming with me said, we've heard all the stories, we're not coming. And they took a holiday in Turkey. And I said to my pastor, I said, I'm leaving today for Bulgaria. He said, you're not meant to be leaving till next week. I said, my drivers have dropped out, I'm going on my own. He said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. God told me to go, and I'm going. And he looked at me. He said, do you know that God told you? I said, well, I'm a simple man. God told me he was going to open a door into Europe for me this year. Only one door opened. So he said, oh, so do you, are you sure you heard God? I said, absolutely. God said he would open the door, and I'm going. He said, I'll find you two more drivers. And I went to our church's conference that week, and he found me two drivers, and we drove to Bulgaria. They were the most useless drivers you could have. Every time I went to sleep, they got lost. One day, they drove 100 miles in the wrong direction. Talk about opposition. I woke up. They were arguing. I said, where are we? They said, we don't know. I said, we were on the motorway. You just had to drive down the motorway. You didn't have to come off. They said, we wanted to go to the toilet and we couldn't find our way back afterwards. I found on the map where we were. We were 100 miles from the motorway. I said, you went 100 miles from the toilet. We got to Bulgarian border and they threw us in prison. And we prayed and we said, God, we've come all this way. We've got through nine nations. We've got one more to get into. And we prayed and our chains fell off and we went in and we stepped into a revival. 800 people got saved in 10 days. 
Miracles happened every day. The blind saw, the deaf heard, the cripples walked. I tell you, I wouldn't change it. It wasn't easy. People didn't agree. But we had heard God and we said, we're going. No matter what it costs, I'm going. And now I can stand before you and tell the stories. And you can think, oh, that's really encouragement. I tell you what would be more encouraging if you have stories like that to tell. Don't live vicariously on somebody else's stories. Write your own chapters of Acts. We need to hear God speaking. We need to hear him speaking to us and we need to do what he's saying. The writer to the Hebrews says, concerning him I have much to say and it is hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. You know, my children are in the late 20s and 30s now, but when they were little kids, you know, they become dull of hearing at times, especially bedtime. Dad would say, it's time to go to bed, Tom and Becky. And they'd say, okay, Dad. Five minutes later, I'd come back, and there they are, exactly the same place, playing with their toys. I said, I told you, it's time to go to bed. Get upstairs. Did you, Dad? Did you? I said, yes, now go. So five minutes later, I come back. They're not there. I go upstairs. They're halfway up the stairs on the landing, playing with their toys. I said, I thought I told you to go to bed. Did you, Dad? You know, I said, go on, get upstairs, get into your bedrooms. Five minutes later, I go upstairs. They're at the top of the stairs playing with their toys. I said, I thought I told you to go to bed. Did you? Yes, I did. <laughs> go to bed. They become dull of hearing. The writer to the Hebrews says, God's got much to say to you. Don't become dull of hearing. He's speaking. Are you listening? And if you're listening, trust whatever he says. You know, fears, doubts, disappointments all come in and try to undermine what God's saying. I tell you, I have them all. When I went to Bulgaria that year, I was frightened. I had doubts. I had disappointments from the past that was eating away at me, but I made a choice. I'm going. I believe I've heard God's word. I had no proof for that. I just chose to believe it. When everyone else said no, I said yes. You know, when I came home that year, I'm driving home three days drive in the lorry. God says to me, because you went. Not only did you step into a revival, but every nation you drove through, I'm going to open the door for you to minister in. What doors did God want to open for you? When Jesus was at the wedding in Cana, Mary said to the servants, whatever he tells you, do it. Let me encourage you. Whatever he tells you, do it. Turn to the person next to you. Say, whatever he tells you, do it. Thirdly, submit to him. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I was saying to the guys yesterday, it's conditional. You know, sometimes people come to me and say, I'm resisting the devil. He's not going. I said, then where are you not submitting to God? Pardon? 
I said, well, if you're resisting the devil and he's not going, then there's only one reason the Bible gives us. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So if you're resisting the devil and he's not fleeing from you, go back one step and say, God, where am I not submitting? And then he will. You know, I'm going to tell you, he doesn't hang around this house too often. You know, when I was at school, I got bullied really badly. And I used to avoid the bullies. Because, you know, they were always picking on me. They were always thumping me. You know, I think the devil avoids me. Because when he comes around, I pick on him. I don't listen to his lies. I give him a bit of this. Biblical this. You know, not physical this. <laughs> Finally, take action on what he says. The Bible says, faith without works is dead. You know, and when you take action, prepare to be astonished. Because we serve a God who is a miracle working God. Prepare to wear out your trousers round the knees. Because as you see God do awesome things, I guarantee you, you're going to be falling on your knees more and more and more. So, wow. Wow, God. You're awesome. If your God's not an awesome God, I want to tell you, you're not worshiping the same God I am. You're not in a relationship with the same God I am. For too long, I lived what I call a mediocre Christian life. I settled for something less than God's best. I started to try and make my experience dictate what I believed, rather than allowing God's word to dictate what I believed. Just a few years ago, God said to me, if you will take hold of this word and allow this word to take hold of you, if you will stop trying to disprove this and start to try and prove every word is true, then you will start to see the things that I intended you to see. You will start to be the people I intended you to be. God's got great things for you. God's got great things for you. I'm talking to you. And the lady next to you, I'm talking to you. God's got great things. Yeah, that's better. You've got a smile now. <laughs> you know, if somebody told me a millionaire had got a check for a million pounds for me, I'd be smiling. You know, and I'm telling you God's got great things for you. You go, yeah. <laughs> you know? If Richard Branson walked in here now and said, I'd like to give someone two million pounds, would all be, hiya, Richard. <laughs> I'm your friend on Twitter. <laughs> God's got great things for every one of you. He's got a plan for your lives to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And it's dependent on you. If you will get hold of his word and allow his word to get hold of you, then you will step in to everything that he wants you to have. You will become everything that he wants you to be. Amen? I'm sorry, you still haven't got there, have you? Amen? He's got it. You know, 
when the prophet told the king to thrash his arrows on the ground, and he thrashed them on the ground three times, the prophet said to him, you'll only overcome your enemies three times because of your response. You should have thrashed the arrows on the ground five or six times. I want to tell you, don't allow mediocrity to stop you stepping in. God's got a plan for your life to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future full of hope. Amen?